Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities, we learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe. If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Hey listeners, if you're enjoying the Maltopia podcast, you may also enjoy our other podcast, The Sleep-Wake Cycle which also takes place in the world of Maltopia. Born during the Night Plague of 1983, the Stroud twins have been reunited after a lifetime apart, their way forward lit by dimmest foxfire. Forced into the service of secrets older than stone, they do the cold work of their unseen masters, a faceless cabal swelling deep within the guts of the risen government. As reclamation agents, the preternatural twins are tasked with returning the country to its former glory, Resting order from the kings and queens below the world, horrors slipped from nightmare and madness. Confronting the Strouds is a world forsaken of sanity, where coffins oft become cocoons, shadows rise against the sun, and reality is just the husk that dreams have left behind. Check out The Sleep-Wake Cycle wherever you listen to your podcasts, or visit RustyQuill.com for more details.
Wesley crashed blindly through the brush, a prey animal with no thought but for escape. He clung to the wavering golden light peeking through a large tree line some hundreds of yards distant, his only lifeline to a world that hadn't suddenly come alive with nightmare, actively trying to disassemble his body and mind. Run, you fool! The voice in his head held a desperate impotence, trying to urge a man gone mad with urgency. As Wesley ran, fell, scrabbled through the dirt, and ran some more, he barely registered the voice. He was too focused on the dread from within that accompanied his unraveling. That alien feeling of invisible horror playing at his psyche, trying to peel back his flesh and splay his insides onto the ground. His breath came in hitches, his clothes were muddied and torn, but as he ran, he felt the nightmare tendrils abate. His immediate surroundings no longer held the swirling cursive lettering or the screaming chaos of the camp. The ground no longer bubbled and steamed from the hellish words of the man who had saved him. The air had stopped vibrating in sickness and fear. The painful effects of Wesley's exposure to the voice began to fade, though he could hear the dark thunder of it in the distance, booming through the wet jungle and echoing off the canopy. Wesley glanced over his shoulder to see a giant swarm of wispy symbols in the distance, like a murmuration of rabid starlings whipping the treetops into a frenzy as the voice of his savior rumbled its dire language, darkening the very air of the base. The man was clearly locked in battle with the hooded creature with all the books. Wesley wasn't sure he cared if either of them survived. The camp erupted, shaking the ground beneath his feet, sending rockets of fire high into the air. One of the munitions tents, no doubt. Keep moving, the voice hissed. Wesley realized he had come to a stop, staring back at the chaos that had nearly cost him his life. He tore his gaze from the sight and pushed forward, a bit more in control of his senses. He struck a brisk pace along the golden lamplight, the pounding of his heart drowning out the mayhem behind him. Reaching the tree line, he disappeared into the foliage. Traipsing through the dense brush, Wesley tried to find some semblance of a trail within the semi-darkness of the jungle. What's that up ahead? The voice growled. Off to the right. Wesley cast about, moving broad leaves from his path and craning his neck, searching. He caught the faint orange glow of what appeared to be firelight dancing off the trees some distance ahead. You think it's safe? There's no such thing anymore, you fool. Wesley closed the distance to the firelight cautiously, picking his way through the brush, trying to find a safe distance with a clear view. The jungle had taken on an eerie calm. Birds and insects had fallen silent. The only sound was the pitter of rain, just heavy enough to no longer be considered mist. It was a welcome respite from the recent chaos, but the silence carried its own weight as if the forest itself were as shocked as Wesley at what had transpired. Approaching a small rise in the terrain, he huddled behind some trees just outside the reach of the firelight. Relax, Dr. Morrigan. You're safe. Wesley jumped, turning to find a man not ten yards to his left, 
leaning against the rough bark of a tall tree. The man raised his hand in a calming gesture. My name is Vorin. We've seen each other around camp a few times, remember? Wesley nodded dumbly. Good. Then you'll remember that I'm typically accompanied by a man with a mask. Have you seen him? Wesley's eyes went wide as the realization dawned on him. He hadn't recognized his savior without the mask. But that must have been him. Yes! He he saved me from... I don't know, from some sort of man or creature. I don't know, but I I saw the thing before, a few days ago. Your friend, he... He didn't have his mask on. He attacked the creature and... Well, he sent me this way. I don't know, I, I was running. It's okay, take a breath. Let's get to the fire. He put a hand on Wesley's shoulder and guided him over the rise toward the light. My companion, his name is River. So you can't say for certain that he's alive? No, I'm sorry. I have no idea. Wesley assured the man. His voice, it it was unreal. And and his face. Wesley took a deep breath, trying to form some semblance of a cogent thought. Everything changed. The the sounds, the smell, even the air. Jesus, he sounded like thunder, and then a munitions tent went up, I I think. But by then, I I was halfway here. I heard much the same, Vorin said as they descended into a small clearing. A roaring bonfire ate hungrily at a stack of logs and kindling, pushing the darkness of the dense forest away. Next to it stood Cyrus Moffat, looking for all the world like they were in the middle of a delightful camping trip. This one, Vorin continued, thinly veiled disdain dripping from his voice, assures me that River is okay, but I'd much rather see it for myself. He turned toward Moffat. Five more minutes and I'm going back. Your warnings be damned. An umbrella in one hand and a cigarette fastened to a long ivory holder in the other, Moffat smiled through a cloud of smoke. No need, my good man. I've no doubt our resident Malsayer will be with us shortly. And now, Dr. Mulrigan. It is good to see you safe and sound. No worse for wear, given this astoundingly tragic turn of events. Mal... Malsayer? Wesley asked. He shook his head and sighed, abandoning the question. He wasn't sure he could handle the absurdity of Cyrus Moffat on top of everything else. Good to see you too, Professor, he mumbled instead. A keening, hateful wail pierced Wesley's mind. This conniving, contemptible little bastard. You need to put a blade in his throat at the first opportunity. Do you hear me? You need to fucking kill this man. Wesley collapsed into a seated position near the fire, pinching the bridge of his nose. Please, just... just... not now. He begged internally. Take a fucking break for a minute, will ya? Headache, Mr. Morgan. Moffat asked, his blue eyes focused on Wesley through the spectacles perched on the end of his nose. Wesley took another deep breath, still trying to shake the adrenaline-fueled fear that clung to him like a terrified cat. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. River! Vorin shouted. He raced from the fire to a dark figure stumbling into the clearing. The Malsair's robes were in tatters covered in mud. His whole body appeared singed, bruised, and battered, and one hand clutched his side. 
His mask was back in place, but the small scar above his lip Wesley had noticed days ago now stretched across Riva's left cheek, towards his ear. A sickly, forked line sunk deep into his flesh, puckering it wickedly. As Riva collapsed into Voren's arms, Wesley jumped up and put his shoulder under Riva, helping Voren shuffle him to a spot beside the fire. Riva groaned as they set him down, and Wesley felt a shudder of nausea ripple through him, blurring his vision and making his mouth water. Crouched next to Riva, Wesley went to his knees to steady himself, breathing deeply. Riva flashed a few gestures at Voren. Sorry about that, Riva says. Voren mumbled while prying his partner's blood-soaked hand from his side. He pulled a medical kit from a nearby pack and started rifling through it. Wesley gulped air, and the nausea began to pass. No problem. Uh, He's in a lot of pain. Uh, How do you... Jesus Christ, how do you stand it? Don't... Don't you feel that? Pulling Riva's tattered robe aside, Vorn cracked the seal on a bottle of water and poured half of it on a blackened gash near the man's ribs. He shoved the bottle into Riva's hand. Drink. Glancing at Wesley, he said. Oh, experience, I suppose. It's like being a drunk, I imagine. Spend enough time feeling sick, and you get used to it. Voren tore open a small plastic pouch with his teeth and removed a wad of gauze, pressing it hard against the wound. Downing the water like a man dying of thirst, Riva let out a garbled grunt, spraying water from his mask. Wesley let out a grunt of his own, falling onto his side. It felt like someone had just hit him in the gut with a hammer. Step away from him, you fucking idiot! The voice scolded. Apologies once more. Vorn said lightly as he secured the gauze in place with more dressing. Wesley shuffled away, rising to his feet and making his way to the other side of the fire, where Cyrus lounged on a bedroll. The eccentric man chuckled through a cloud of smoke. (laughs) Best to stay away until our dear River's back in control of his faculties. Yeah... Wesley agreed, rubbing a hand over his stomach. Don't trust a word this treacherous bastard says, the voice hissed. Wesley huffed internally. First it was kill him, now it's don't trust him. If you're going to keep pestering me, you might as well at least try to make sense. I mean, I'm not going to listen to you either way, but it would certainly make this fucked up thing we've got going a little less fucked up. The voice was silent for a moment. Well, we may yet need him, at least for the moment. Until we're out of danger. But rest assured, we're no more than pieces on a board to this lace-line twat. He's a Moffat, and we need less to him than a camp full of cannon fodder back there. Noted, Wesley assured the voice. Turning to Cyrus, he cleared his throat. Uh, say, Professor, just what in the holy goddamn fuck is going on? Puffs of smoke escaped Cyrus's mouth as he laughed. <laughs> I assure you, my boy, I haven't the foggiest. Wesley watched as Voren placed a hand on Riva's shoulder. Riva nodded, signing rapidly. The two were deep in discussion, and Voren was no doubt learning a lot more than Wesley at the moment. Are you sure? he asked Cyrus. You just seem incredibly calm, given recent developments. You remember, don't you? 
when dozens of our peers were wiped out by a nightmare demon from out of the mist? It was like five minutes ago. I recall quite clearly, my boy, Cyrus answered, a dangerous smile in his voice. You'll also recall how my benevolent light led you from the chaos into safety. That's just it, Wesley hit back, looking around the campsite. Here you are, out of harm's reach, a roaring fire waiting in what I can only assume is enough packs, bedrolls, and supplies to last four people at least a week in the jungle. Wesley turned to face Cyrus fully. So I guess my question is, how did you know? We're safe for now, Vorin called, helping Riva to his feet. The two made their way over to Cyrus and Wesley, and Vorin settled Riva onto a blanket near the fire. Riva said whatever it was, it just left. What was that thing? Wesley asked. Vorin shrugged, and Riva shook his head. No idea, but we've never seen anything like it. Wait, Wesley said, raising his hands. You make it sound like you've seen similar things. And what's more, you're used to it. Who? Jesus, who are you guys? He glanced at Cyrus. Who are any of you? Why exactly were you commissioned, and what the hell is a mailsayer? Even though I'm getting a pretty clear idea about that last one, it doesn't really answer the question. Well... Vorin started before Riva signed at him. Why not? You heard what that creature said to Morgan. He clearly has a part to play, otherwise... Otherwise, I'd be dead with the rest, Wesley finished. Riva waved them off, content to stare into the fire. Vorin smiled. As I was saying before I was so silently interrupted, my colleague and I are under the employ of Salent University. We assist with research into those things that cannot be easily qualified or quantified by today's understanding of science. We pick up where you and your fellow experts leave off. Wesley nodded. I see. Up to and including defending against brutally violent nightmare creatures with a disturbing fetish for storytelling? Foreign laughed. <laughs> so it would seem, yes. But River handles the defending bit. As a Malsayer, his words have particular effects, as you've seen. For my part, I'm just a bookworm. I transcribe and translate Obscurum so that we can better understand the darkness and its consequences. Wait, Wesley held up a hand. I thought Obscurum were relegated to objects and landmarks and stuff. You know, Green Lake, the Tower of Teeth, even Grimland itself. You mean to say there are actual alien texts? Books and stuff that didn't exist pre-Noctum? Indeed, Vorn confirmed. Wesley's eyes went wide as he tried to wrap his head around the implications. That's... that's incredible. How many books have you found? What, what have you learned? Cyrus chuckled. He lit another cigarette as the long ivory holder danced with the firelight. It's not so much how many books, but how many libraries worth of books... Vorin gave Cyrus an exasperated sigh before turning back to Wesley. To use a military phrase I'm sure you're familiar with, that's classified. What I can tell you is that we were sent here on the off chance that Grimland housed such obscurum. And given that we have a demonic storyteller on the loose, I'd say the odds just went up tenfold. You okay, Morgan? Wesley was staring at the ground, mouth agape, unsure where to start. I have several dozen more questions. Foran laughed. 
<laughs> well, they may have to wait. We need to decide what to do next. He peered at Cyrus. But I'm sure you have a few thoughts in that regard, don't you? Right you are, my lad, Cyrus replied, coming to life. It's quickly approaching dusk, so I recommend we rest here before striking out first thing in the morning. Strike out where? Wesley asked, coming back around to the matter at hand. Cyrus pulled a plastic-sheathed map from under his ridiculous cloak and began unfolding it. There's an outpost not 30 kilometers, or 30 clicks, as our meat-headed compatriots would say, due west of here. And what will be waiting for us there, Professor? Wesley asked, not bothering to mask his suspicion. Any other surprises we should know about? My dear Dr. Morgan, Cyrus sighed, folding the map back up and returning it to an inner pocket. Clearly you've heard some terrible rumors about me that should be laid to rest before we venture any further. Let me guess. The Moffats can see into the future, he declared with mock awe. And we hold the high honor of being the orchestrators of some of the most significant events in history. His voice grew louder as the small lantern on his belt began to glow, casting strange light that was somehow distinct and separate from the firelight. We hold sway over time itself, molding kings and nations in our image, sending armies against each other to further our own ends. His voice continued to grow echoing around the clearing and into the darkening jungle. The fire seemed to dim under the weight of the lantern light. Wesley glanced at Foran and Riva, finding concern and wariness in their eyes. Man and God alike are at our whim and mercy, and indeed it was we who brought about the great darkness itself. Arms outstretched, Cyrus' final words echoed into silence. His lantern went dim, and the firelight returned. Or perhaps he continued, unshouldering an ornate haversack and unclasping the heavy brass buckles. The outpost to the west was part of the contingency plan, should our base of operations be compromised. He handed each of them a walkie-talkie from his sack. And perhaps each and every soldier, scientist, and grunt was instructed to make their way there, in the event of an emergency. You would know this had you bothered to read your welcome packets. He paused, looking at Vorin. I'm especially disappointed in you, my dear Ink Dragon. I mean, it's a book. Cyrus returned to his bedroll and stretched out, getting comfortable. And perhaps, just perhaps, those radios will help us connect with any survivors along the way. He placed his glasses in his breast pocket and adjusted the brim of his top hat to cover his eyes. But no, by all means, let's discuss our multitude of other options. Surely one of them doesn't include the machinations of those meddlesome moffats. The three sat in silence, and Cyrus said no more. Riva shrugged and warned. Today we'd like to introduce you to a great fantasy audio drama called Circe. The show is similar to Lord of the Rings, except that it focuses on an awesome gay sorceress on the planet of Elbion. Thyra is recording stories of her past to help regain her magical abilities. We learn of her life and how she came to be a member of the Circe, 
If you're a fan of gay stories and characters, Lord of the Rings and Xena the Warrior Princess, you'll love this show. Check out Circe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Made his way to a bedroll. Vorn cast Wesley a wary look before taking up watch at a nearby tree. Lies! The voice whispered. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Walker Kornfeld and performed by Stephen Anzalone and Walker Kornfeld. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Maltopia, visit us at maltopia.com.